Hello, my dear friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 146 of The Informed Catholic for 2020. And uh, we're going to visit an article by Church Militant. It's by Paul Morano. Um, it's from September 10th, 2020, this just past week. And it's about James, Father James Altman. Remember Father James Altman? Remember that famous video that went viral? The one a priest tells you, you, you a Catholic cannot vote Democrat. Well, uh, before we begin, um, let's uh, start off with a prayer. And before we start our prayer, please, if you like what I do, subscribe and share. Um, I don't have any advertisement or anything like that so it works better by word of mouth and i really would appreciate it if you tell your friends and share my podcast it's not a very fancy podcast i admit um i make mistakes and my editing is not great but it is a catholic podcast and it you know we talk about i talk about a lot about a lot of things um one of the important things I, I do is I try to relate it to Catholic teaching, uh, to the Catholic thinking. Uh, the last episode I did was about Black Lives Matter and Antifa because these are things that are important subject matters for us as Catholics. Um, you know, this is a very, a very volatile year. We all admit that, right? Uh, we see what's happening around us. Uh, it's an election year. Um, we're Catholic, and we should be very much um, high informative voters. In other words, we need to inform ourselves. We need to get involved with the world around us. Politics is part of life. We're human beings. We're social creatures. We socialize and we're political. Every day you get up and you get out of that house and go to work, it's politics. Uh, when you do business, it's politics. When you socialize with people at work, it's politics. Everything is politics. And just as G.K. Chesterton said, politics is part of the gospel. Uh, love your neighbor and love your enemy because they're the same people. Right. You know, you know, your neighbor can be, you know, the person you pass by on the road, the person that stands next to you in the elevator and everything affects us. Um, you know, politics is part of life. And unfortunately, it also it's the challenge in how you know, we live the gospel. We live in the country that is very political and very economic. We have to be involved. Um, we've let a lot of things slip away. We live in a country that's wonderful. We have a constitution and we have a government that gives us freedom of religion. And there are some people that would like to take that away from us. You know, it's funny. People say, oh, Catholics or Christians should not get involved in politics. Really? And yet you come around for our vote you collect our taxes. If I'm paying taxes, I'm going to bring my faith to the public arena. All right? That's that's it. 
how, how I practice my faith, politics is, is, is part of that. And, you know, liberal politicians love to exploit religion for their own ends. Well, guess what? We can use a podcast. We could use the YouTube channel. We can use the, um, you know, the newspapers. We could use everything. And um, as long as it's it's legal for me to do this, um, I'm going to keep on doing it because it's freedom of speech. So let's begin with a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Holy Mary, Mother of God, Queen of the Rosary, Queen of Peace, Our Lady of Fatima, pray for us. Saint Joseph, Guardian of the Holy Church, and Terror of Demons, pray for us. Saint Thomas More, pray for us. Saint Thomas Aquinas, pray for us. And Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us from evil. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So let's begin this article. Um. Bishop throws faithful priest under the bus. By Paul Morano, Church Militant, September 10th, 2020. Bishop William Callahan condemns Father James Altman's tone and approach. La Crosse, Wisconsin. The Wisconsin priest who took the cyber world by storm with his homily insisting Catholics cannot be Democrats is now being uh, contested by his bishop. In an official September 9th statement, Bishop William Callahan of La Crosse reprimanded Father James Altman for his powerful message, which has gone viral and warned of canonical penalties if the priest does not heed Callahan's fraternal correction. Father James Altman has become a social media phenomenon and is now a mainstream media story, said the bishop. The amount of calls and emails we are receiving at the diocesan office shows how divisive he is. What is divisive in Altman's preaching, according to Callahan, is not its, it's, not its content, but Altman's approach, delivery, and tone. Let's stop right there. That is a lot of bull crap. Okay. Okay. Tone, I mean, think about it. Divisive. Okay. Yes, it's divisive. All right. It's divisive. And I know maybe some of you haven't heard it, but I'm going to play the video. Okay. Here it is. Blood shed profusely in the scourging, 
blood flowing forth in the crowning of thorns, blood poured out on the holy cross, price of salvation, without which there is no forgiveness, Eucharistic drink and refreshment of souls, save us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. But our family, we're going to have something right from the very beginning of the Baltimore Catechism. Our basic catechism, basic foundation for our whole faith, our purpose in life, which is to know, love, and serve God. Now, it's human nature that we will not willingly serve a God whom we do not love. And we will not love a God we do not know. So, so here's the thing. I don't love anybody in Borneo because I don't know anyone in Borneo. So don't get up in the morning with any particular inclination or inspiration to serve anyone in Borneo. But if I do not wake up in the morning with an inclination and an inspiration to serve Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then Houston, we got a problem. And the problem in the world today, as it was in Noah's day, and as it was in Abraham, Lot, and Sodom and Gomorrah's day, as it was as Jesus warned us it would be, is that there are way too many people who don't know the first thing about Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So truth be told, they do not love Him. And so we can see in the many godless politicians out there, in the godless educational system, in the godlessness of so many sheeples, they most definitely are not serving Him. They are not fulfilling their purpose in life, to know, to love, and to serve God. Oh, you're just being political. Father Altman's too political. Politics has no place in the Catholic Church. Baloney. Pope Benedict XVI said, the church is not a political power, it's not a party, but it is, what is it supposed to be? It is a moral power. Therefore, since politics fundamentally should be a moral enterprise, the church, in this sense, has something to say about politics. Therefore, when politics and politicians act in an immoral way, we most certainly do have the duty and the obligation to speak up and speak up about it. When they complain, they say, hey, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Capital H. Guess who was just a premier speaker at the Democratic National Convention? None other than the hyper-confusion-spreading heretic James Martin S.J. Well, I guess it's, oh, I guess it's okay for James Martin to spout off for the Democrats on their national stage, but God forbid a priest speak out against their godless platform. Here's a memo to clueless baptized Catholics out there. You cannot be Catholic and be a Democrat, period. Their party platform absolutely is against everything the Catholic Church teaches. So just quit pretending that you're Catholic and vote Democrat. Repent of your support of that party and its platform or face the fires of hell. Yes, Virginia, there is a hell. There's a, a well-known cleric who seems to be putting out there that, oh, hell is an empty place. Sorry, buddy. It's not what Jesus said. Jesus said many are going to choose that broad road to destruction. Only a few are going to choose the narrow, very difficult road to the narrow gate to heaven. There will be 60 million in count 
aborted Navy standing at the gates of heaven barring your Democrat entrance. And nothing you can say will ever excuse you for your direct or indirect support of that diabolical agenda. Here at the end, it's too bad there's so many gutless cowards in the clergy who refuse to speak up and speak out on that truth and make it crystal clear. There should be no confusion among any Catholic. TV at the end of the day, I do research. And I actually researched and researched all the data, the information. I, I crunched the numbers and finally came up with a pretty close approximate total of how many Catholics voted for Obama in 2008 and 2012. Zero. Wrap your minds around that, dear family. There were a lot of pretenders, a lot of imposters, a lot of people masquerading as Catholics, laity and clergy alike. There were zero faithful Catholics who voted for that godless politician who had the audacity to blaspheme and say, God bless Planned Parenthood, the most racist organization on the face of this planet, founded to wipe out black babies. Wilton Gregory, figure it out. So back to the hypocrisy of those who complain I'm too political. The complainers, the hypocrites, by the way, always are from the left, both lady and clergy alike, in addition to thinking it's a-okay for James Martin to prance up onto the Democrats' national stage, certain of the hierarchy think nothing about ripping into Donald Trump because somehow Trump has differing views about national sovereignty and national borders. No problem about stuffing things like the climate change hoax into the political arena, into the Catholic Church. Well, here in the U.S., in addition to James Martin, the St. Anthony Messenger has two major political statements. One against Trump in, in support of DACA, which means criminal illegal aliens, and the other supporting the Southern Poverty Law Center, which seems to be one of the most godless, communist, anti-American, left-wing, radical organizations in the United States. And again, one ripping on Trump and supporting Wilton Gregory's horrific attack on the one best pro-life president and his Catholic wife. You know, as a bishop recently said to me, it's no wonder the faithful have lost confidence in the bishops because so many of them did such a horrible job on the scandal. And still to this day, don't say anything about the worst miscreants. Oh, but they sure will get all over a priest instantly who simply speaks the truth. Oh, yes, dear family, they are quick as lightning when they want to be to silence any priest who dares to step out of line. But you really wonder why ordinary priests do not speak up. It's out of fear, dear family. Fear. Shame on the hierarchy who covers up truth through a conspiracy of fear. Listen, if, it, if there wasn't truth spoken, nobody but nobody would be listening to me for two seconds. And if all that is accomplished by speaking up is to let the proud and arrogant in the hierarchy realize that the faithful are suspicious and they have good reason, and that they need to straighten up and straighten out this mess that they created or they continued before they lose yet more faithful to the fastest growing denomination in the United States, ex-Catholics, then job accomplished.
But, dear family, there is truth spoken. And it continues to slap faithful Catholics in the faith when Notre Dame gives Obama an honorary doctorate, when James Martin takes the national stage for the Democrats, and when a pro-life president gets ripped on by an archbishop of the Catholic Church, who then, within days, urges his priests to go all political and join hands with the Marxist protesters, Black Lives Matter. To family, it is basic to our salvation that we must, that our purpose in life is to know, love, and serve God. We have a duty and an obligation to know Him so that we love Him, so that we serve Him unto martyrdom, red or white. And it is human nature that we will not willingly serve a God whom we do not love, and we will not love a God we do not know. And the reason why we are seeing the signs of the times the cataclysm that's approaching, that we have been warned about. Our Blessed Mother warned us about it. The reason why we're seeing this is that way too many people do not know God through their fault, through their fault, through their most grievous fault. And too many shepherds of the church haven't taught them. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All right, I've already played the video for you. I actually, this is probably the third time I've played it on my podcast. And like I said, this is a load of crap. Callahan is, <laughs> sorry, your excellency. It's a load of crap what you're saying. As I review Father Altman's latest video statement of, of the 30th of August, 2020, I understand the undeniable truth that motivates his message. When we approach issues that are contradictory to the faith and teaching of Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church, particularly on abortion and other life issues, we should invite dialogue and heartfelt conversion to the truth. Our approach must never seek to divide and isolate and condemn. You know, he's trying... Ugh. Oh my goodness, why do they do this? He, he, the truth is, he's terrified. He's, first of all, he's trying to save his own neck from the other bishops. Another thing is, he doesn't want the uh, other reporters or big media people to come down on him. And he's saying, like, okay. He Okay, one part he says he understands the message. On the other part, he's saying we should have a dialogue. Again, it's always this one word that they use, this, this one word on a, on a flag, dialogue, 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 because they don't want to be attacked, because they're afraid. They're afraid. Well, you know, if you're afraid, you shouldn't have become bishop. You should have taken that position. Okay. When Jesus Christ came to Jerusalem and he overturned the money changers, the temple uh, business guys, was that tolerant? Was that a dialogue right there? No, it wasn't a dialogue. When the apostles were set free from prison and they went back preaching 
and then they were caught and flogged and beaten when St. Stephen was stoned. Was there dialogue? No. When James the... Uh, when James, the brother of uh, the, the first, the apostle, had his head cut off at when he was executed, was that dialogue? No. The point of the matter is, is that there's going to be martyrdom. There's going to be martyrdom and there has to be contention. There has to be an argument. It has to come to that. If we refuse to speak up for the faith, then God will do it for us. He will bring the battle. He will make it, he will make it, you know, he will make it happen. This is why if a country refuses to repent of its sins and turn away from its sins, which is what's happening here, why we've had, I hate to say it, people, why we why this country has been down the road we have turned away from god abortion then then it was gay marriage then we pushed god out of the schools then we decided to then with gay marriage of course what happened was we we we, we let our pagan high priests in the um the supreme court redefine and re a ma recreate marriage it when a country turns away when a nation turns away when people turn away from god ultimately what eventually happens we ourselves will by our own pride by our own ego by our own vanity will create a god of our own image and that means we are the creator of our own truth and our own morality in opposition against God. And that's exactly what happened to us as a nation. We turned away, as a church, we turned away from God. Yes, it's still the Catholic Church. It's still the church that Jesus Christ established. But we've also created our own idea of what of what Jesus Christ is and what his church is. This is why we're in such a mess. And Father Altman said it. The greatest denomination that's growing in America is ex-Catholic. And the fact remains is these priests, these bishops, these cardinals have have created their own catholic church it's still the church of jesus christ it's still a valid baptism it's still a valid sacrament but it's not entirely valid at the same time because they went ahead and recreated their own church this is why things are going so bad this is why you see uh liturgical dances this is why you see problems in the liturgy this is why you see problems in confusion they said so they said so themselves when they wrote it with confusing words so they can come back and interpret it as they wanted to and that's exactly what happened now this bishop is taking his own priest and he's throwing him under the bus he's throwing him under the bus all right let's continue i'm sorry but this is really upsetting I mean, his words are so, look, he, he, he contradicts himself. Father Altman is not contradicting anybody. 
okay, that are contradictory to the faith. Okay, as I review Father Altman's latest video statement of the 30th of August, 2020, I understand the undeniable truth that motivates his message. When we approach issues that are contradictory to the faith and teachings of the Jesus Christ and the Catholic Church, particularly on abortion and other life issues, we should invite dialogue. It's been done before. It's been done before, okay? Enough with your dialogue. It's been done before. And heartfelt conver con uh, conversion to the truth, our approach must never seek to divide, isolate, and condemn. Well, I'm sorry. You have condemned a lot of Catholics, okay? You have, you have heartbroken and destroyed the faith of a lot of Catholics with your so hypocritical dialogue. Unfortunately, the tone of Father Altman offers... Uh, uh, that he offers comes off as angry and judgmental, lacking in any charity in a way that causes scandal, both in the church and in society. Callahan continued, you know, we need, to, we people have to send a lot of email and a lot, a lot of complaints. And I think we need, we he needs to feel it in his pocketbook. He needs to feel it in his collection. He needs, people need to, need to uh, protest. They need to go over and protest to save Father Altman. We need to show him we want priests like Father Altman and not priests like Father James Martin. And people need to see that we don't want priests like him anymore or Father Barron bishops that is we need to show them that after de after decrying Altman's condemnation of the of the entire groups of people callahan wrote of a uh, of applying gospel principles to his correction of Altman. ironically in a very public statement the bishop claimed he must first speak with altman privately and he's going to try to basically he's i think he's going to give him thinly veiled threats Warnings, Callahan quoted Matthew 18, verse 15, 16, about confronting a sinner privately. First of all, he didn't, he's not the sinner here, man. Okay, the sinner here is these, is these, is these horrible politicians. Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, John Kerry, all right, the Kennedys who supported things that go against the faith. You know, and people like McCarrick, who basically uh, suppressed the truth from the bishops. Unbelievable. Okay, so before penalties are imposed, we need to ensure that fraternal correction, rebuke, or, or other means of pastoral solicitude will not be sufficient to repair the scandal. While the Bishop of La Crosse is rep reprimanding Altman for preaching unfiltered truth other bishop priests and faithful lady are praising him you see prior to becoming bishop callahan was a spiritual director at the north american college a graduate from the north american college uh had father william callahan as a mandated spiritual director at the time and told church militant he strongly dislikes their meetings hmm he was clearly a, he's clearly a corporate man. You see, this is the bishop. 
Callahan, a real schmoozer. Ha, his words, I think, pretty much said that, right? You know, tone, dialogue, no argument. He he doesn't like to argue. He doesn't, he doesn't want, you know, he wants to, he wants to just uh, stream long by till he gets his, uh, his, his, his pension. Who apparently good at fundraising, he said, requesting, uh, Anonymity. There was an air of sanctimony about him. He added, Cardinal Timothy Dolan, then Bishop. Him and Timothy Dolan are very uh, are both smoothers. They're both what they call hams. They want people to like them. Then Bishop of Milwaukee rewarded Callahan for his cooperate loyalty and probably his fundraising abilities. By making an auxiliary, by making him an auxiliary bishop, while the bishop of Lacrosse is reprimanding Altman for preaching unfiltered truth, other bishops and priests and faithful lady are praising him. Bishop, okay, hold on. Now we're going to get to the praise, the praise for Altman. I'll be right back. A minute. All right, praise for Father Altman. Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, has publicly endorsed Altman's message. In a September f- uh, 5th tweet, Strickland humbly and clearly wrote, As a Bishop of Tyler, I endorse Father Altman's statement in this video. My shame is that he has taken, it has taken me so long. That is, Bishop Strickland told by himself, Thank you, Father Altman, for your courage. And he capitalizes the word courage, all, 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 you know, the entire word. If you love Jesus and his church and his and this nation, please heed this message. Strickland also posted a video of his own on faithful citizenship and voting entitled The Preeminent Moral Mandate, The Right to Life, where he is interviewed by uh, Keith Forner. I don't know who that is, but I think it must be a deacon. Deacon Keith Forner. That's what it means. There's a DCN. I'm assuming it means deacon. Um, Yeah, I think it's sad. It's sad that you have one bishop on the other end who sees the storm coming. And you have a bishop on the other end, like uh, Callahan, Oh, um, who is a smoozer, who is basically, uh, you know, uh, someone who who was a corporate man who wants to be liked, who sees the uh, the mission, his mission in his office as a business. And remember, he was made bishop when they said he was made bishop by Cardinal Timothy Dolan, who is now of New York. I am not surprised. I am not surprised. Uh, they always pick out men similar to themselves. Dolan is not, he's not a man who likes to fight. He doesn't stand up. He very rarely ever stands up for the faith. He basically, I mean, look what happened here in New York with the St. Patrick parade. Uh, he allowed homosexuals to march. He didn't stand up to uh Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, he was hoping Andrew Cuomo would, if he kept silent about homosexual marriage, maybe Andrew Cuomo might throw him uh, the uh, the charter school bill where, you know, 
where the people can take their tax money. But no, Andrew Cuomo wasn't going to do that. Andrew Cuomo uh, basically just snubbed him. He's a weak man. I'm sorry. He's a weak man. And they're all weak. And it's true. I, I'm I'm really convinced that there are things, forces we're not paying attention to. Um, you know, it's something we have to we have to realize. I mean, I, like I said, I'm reading this book called The Harbinger, and now it's called Harbinger Two. I like the first one. It basically gave certain prophecies that you know the prophecies that was given to ancient Israel is passed down to the Christian world. That's how I'm interpreting it. And since America is technically a Christian country, it doesn't have an established church. It doesn't have an established religion. But when a nation turns away from God, when the blessings, America America was was established. Now I know it was it's not a Catholic country, not you know, particularly no, but it is still a Christian country and the blessings of ancient Israel was passed down to the Christian West. I would say the Reformation is kind of similar to what happened to ancient Israel when Israel was split. Remember, was split when it came a northern Israel, a northern Israel, and then there was the the, the Judah and Samaria, which was the um, the you know the the one with the temple. And since we are the ones with the sacrament, the the, the valid sacraments, I kind of look at it as that. And in a sense, there has been this division between the Protestants, the Protestant world, and then, of course, there's the Catholicism. Now, both have gone astray. If you remember in the Bible, both have gone astray. Uh, one rejects the sacraments and the other one has basically also at the same time has uh, apostate apostate uh, from God by reinventing by reinventing itself, well, by reinterpreting the blessings of God, by blessings of our Lord. So, in a sense, I think there's some similarity going on there. I mean, we're still a valid church, we're still a valid religion, but there's in a sense an apostasy. Because we're human beings, it doesn't invalidate Christ. It just makes it's just man, man's problem. We we turn away, and then we basically reinvent things by our own pride. We reinvent our own religion. The bishops have done it because they want to be liked by the world. You know, this basically happened within Vatican II to some extent, and we still have. Of valid masses, uh, not as much like the Latin mass, I would say. There's something going on there. You have to ask yourself, why is the church in its mess that it's in? Why is the priest and the bishops in a mess that they're in? People don't know, you know, I mean, yes, Taylor Marshall has answered some of the questions because of, of infiltration. And many others have talked about the infiltration that's going on within the church. That's the, we have the homosexual bishops, the priests. Ancient Israel went through the same thing. They went through the same thing. They, they had uh, a, 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 some kind of infiltration going on. They too, they took the temple and they practiced and, and the, they, they took the sacraments, the, the blessings that they received from Moses 
and they turned to paganism. They turned to uh, the practice of the gods and they also had immoral practices. They also started sacrificing their children to Baal and Moloch. Our form of, of, of child sacrifice is abortion. Is abortion. And then suddenly the warning came. Right? F from an enemy from far away came uh, the Syrians. And, you know, I, I think the Syrian, it's the, the attack, the, the terrorist attack from 9-11, especially on the United States and especially in Europe. People from the Middle East came and flooded Europe. So you have to look at, there's something going on here. We turn away from God. We turn our backs away from God. Our own church has gone apostate, some of our bishops. We're still a valid religion. We're still a valid religion. Protestantism is, is not what it used to be, but we're still, I mean, in a sense, there's, there's some kind of unity going on. There's some kind of unification going on. Even orthodoxy is still somewhat a valid, a valid, you know, Catholic religion, even though they they have they have buckled about divorce. You know, and and they buckled on the 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 uh, the leadership of the church to some extent, but we're still in, in we're still a there's still a valid Catholic religion to some extent. And we have, we still have Latin masses, like I said, but we just have to, there's a lot more still that needs to be talked about. I can't, I'm only giving you my own personal opinion about this mess that's going on. And I think there's something we need to look into. So check it out if you can get the book, uh, The Harbinger. It's two parts and there's other books that, that, that are involved. It's by Jonathan Kahn. Uh, Khan, uh, he spells it unusually with a C, not a K, uh, C-H-A-N. He's a Messianic Jew. He's not Catholic, but I still think there's some things in there that he said that are interesting, valid. Like, for example, the passage of Scripture three days before 9-11 um, was the warning of Moses in Deuteronomy about a nation that turns away, about ancient Israel, if you turn away from God, God will take away the blessings the blessings he would make he he will take you from being the head to the tail what interesting thing what happened with america was america was the head and it became the tail we used to be the greatest provider of credit we used to loan money we were the most richest nation in the world we were the bread bowl the bread basket of the world and suddenly slowly we began to decline from being the from from being the richest, most powerful, and most military military powerful nation on earth, we began to decline, and that's something that we need to look into. People don't like people don't like to hear about punishment. The liberals don't like to hear about punishment. Conservatives are willing to hear about punishment. That's just the way it is. That's just the nature of between a liberal and a conservative. And unfortunately, there's some people that feel it's insulting if you go that direction. No one's insulting 
the people who died on 9-11, the people who died on 9-11, who gave their lives, all right, are national martyrs, and we will always respect and honor them. But like Our Lady said in Fatima, the good will die with the bad. It's always going to happen when it comes to a national calamity. Okay, no one wants it. But we brought it upon ourselves when we, when we turned away from, from God. And we've been, we've been, on, we've been on, a, on a spiritual national decline since for, for, for decades before 9-11. All right, we used to, you know, we, we got into endless wars. All right, Vietnam, before Vietnam, even Korea, we began to slowly decline. And morally, sexually, and even marriage and family, drugs, alcohol, divorce, uh, constant crime within cities, and then it, it just keeps growing. And we keep turning away. And what happens? We get a president like Barack Obama who, who, who approves gay marriage and shines the rainbow on the, on the White House. You got to ask yourself. And then we get Pope Francis. Doesn't sound great, but it's true. I'll try to put together an episode where I'll talk about this, my theory or my a personal opinion about this, because there has to be something to this. There has to be, because it seems to make sense. I mean, I know he's not Catholic, but, you know, sometimes God reveals truth to you even through uh, a non-Catholic. You got to look at it. There's a possibility here. And, you know, I mean, we, you know, we're, we are getting converts from Judaism to Catholicism. I mean, you got someone like Mother Miriam, but the scriptures are alive and, you know, they are inspired by God. And we have to look at the fact that there could, there are warnings in there. Warnings. Israel was given a warning that if they ever turn away from God, they will be punished. And they did. They did turn away from God. After Solomon's death, you know, there was constant decay uh, and then slowly, apostasy within the faith. And they too treated their own people who were trying to warn them, their own, let's say their own conservatives, their own conservatives. They humiliated their own people, silenced their own people who were trying to warn their nation about the calamity, the punishment that is coming. Jeremiah himself was one of them. And then you had someone like Daniel, who was a young boy at the time, most likely during the exile. He was probably maybe a teenager. I think he was a teenager, maybe close to 15, maybe. And some were taken away to Babylon, ancient Assyria. And then you had others, so, uh, I believe like Jeremiah, who went to uh, Egypt and set up a community there. You know, God, you know, God's the diaspora, the God separated and, and, and send the Jews all over the world. Well, we Catholics are now all over the world. Right? We're all over the world now. Even though we may have separated brethren like Protestants, 
We're all over the world now. We're in South America. We're in Africa. We're in Asia. We're we're all over the planet. You know, you know, we're you know, we're not just in Europe anymore. Before we used to be just in Europe and maybe the Middle East. And now we're all over the world. So there has to be something to this. Let's continue. So Strickland supports Father James Altman. Uh, Strickland also posted a video of his own on faithful citizenship and voting titled The Preeminent Moral Mandate, The Right to Life, where he is interviewed again by by Deacon Keith uh, Ferner. Uh, second in a series of, of videos seeking to guide us as we make critical decisions in November. As always, we must pray first, but we must also act according to, to, to the truth God has revealed to us. I'm glad he's doing this. Uh, I'll play this at the end. Another alt, uh, Altman backer, Father John Lankett of Saints Simon and Jude Cathedral in Phoenix, recently issued a similar message. If you know which candidate and party went, uh, you want to promote and expand abortion and still you intend to enable them to continue their war on the unborn with the help of your vote, then it is my duty as a priest to tell you that your soul will be in grave danger. You see, I'm glad, especially if you present yourself for Holy Communion after casting such a vote with the full knowledge of what you're doing. Likewise, Father Richard Hellman, host of the United States Grace Force, I'm glad. I have I have his rosary. I have the rosary. Uh, it's a very strong rosary built almost, uh, it was meant for combat. That was originally for uh, World War One, and World, I think they gave it out during World War Two as well. It's a very strong rosary, because I've always had problems with rosaries that break on me. All right, I know I know everybody does, but there are good rosaries. Look it up, United States Grace Force, um, and I'll look up. I'll get the information. It's very good. It's strong. Uh, they make all kinds, but it's really good, really good. The blogger of Roman Catholic. Yeah, go to Roman Catholic Men on on the internet. Go to Roman Catholic Men on the internet. Has written extensively in support of the outspoken priest. In one of his posts, Hellman sounded off on the importance of giving support to people like Altman. Much like the arrest of Jesus, 10 of the 12 first bishops took off running. You see, I'm telling you, this is a prophecy. That was a prophecy. It was a prophecy. Took off running in silent self-protection at a critical point when Jesus could have used the support of his apostles. They fled. Just one remained with him at the cross. John the Beloved. We need more John the Beloveds, more Mother Angelicas, more Father James Altmans. In in this most critical time possibly in all of salvation history, I stand behind Father James Altman and like Mother Angelica, his his brutal honesty, even when it comes to the bishops, do we just sit by and allow our flock to be taken control by the culture of death, culture of violence, culture of hedonism, culture of oppression? No. Good. Good. This is the kind of thing we need. Hellman urged the faithful to action, exhorting, the time 
is now for all of us, most especially priests and bishops, to refuse to allow uh, to allow Satan and his minions to seize control. Yes, the time is now for all of us, most especially priests and bishops, to refuse to allow Satan and his minions to seize control. There is no word yet on Altman's response to Callahan's reprimand. Church Milton has reported on the influence of Marxism, communism, and money that have led members of the Catholic hierarchy to adopt the anti-Catholic position on highly charged religious and political issues. Regardless how the, the verbal sparring plays out, observers note this struggle for truth and battle for souls will be prominent in the public, in the lead up to election day and beyond. This is something serious. I mean, we need, to, like I said before, we need to develop a more tight-knit Catholic culture. I'm afraid it's going to be one that's going to exclude many. Uh, we need to we need to start developing this. Many of us, and I agree with Taylor Marshall, it's no longer, our, we're no longer a diocesan people. We're no longer within living within our diocese because a lot of us don't get what we need. The spiritual nourishment. We may some of us may get the sacrament. You know, we'll continue to go to communion. But a lot of people now are div, are are more um it's extending. It's going beyond the diocesan. We, we, uh internet cat uh Orthodox Catholics. We there's going to be an unbelievable migration. Sooner, I think, when people are able to financially, they're going to abandon. Many Orthodox Catholics are going to abandon uh, New York and many many liberal areas like California, Boston, and they're going to go to areas where the Catholicism is more Orthodox. More Orthodox where they can raise their kids. And this is something that's serious. I was listening to, uh, fa um, not father, I'm sorry, uh, Dr. Turley, Steve Turley. Uh, Turley, he, um, he has a, a YouTube channel. And he talked that if you look, uh, like for example, the British, their problem was not illegal immigration. The problem with them was Legal immigration, legal. And the decision for them of how many people come to their country was not made by parliament. It was made by Belgium, by the, e the EU. The European Union was making the decision for them. And so many of the younger British felt that this, this was growing. They decided to vote for Brexit to break away from the EU, to protect their nation, all right? Our problem is illegal immigration. And the problem is it's supported by, uh, you know, a group like the Democrats, majority, and rhino Republicans, and they don't care. And the truth is they are also working for, the Democrats are not loyal, and many, there's certain rhino Republicans are not loyal to the country. And then also this whole thing with gay marriage, abortion and contraception is, is basically hurting the country. 
because it's hurting and destroying families. Okay? Most people are becoming, you you usually become, you go from liberal to conservative. A lot of people do go from liberal to conservative. And they adopt, and, and they do that. Now, they talk about the, uh, one of his episodes, he talked about Generation Z. Generation Z is the generation born from 1997, between a certain date, uh, a 10-year period. They call that Generation Z. Now, they're getting close to becoming voters. They're becoming 18 now. And interesting to note, 30% of a Generation Z is conservative. Why? Because they grew up in a conservative family. Conservative marriages, real marriages, not liberal marriages, conservative marriages, have at least in some parts of the country two to three more kids uh, uh, than, let's say, a liberal. The average liberal has one child. One child. Okay, and that and that and that in itself says a lot. Majority of conservatives have at least two to three more kids in some parts of the country, like in New York or the or the Northeast. But if you go to Middle America, the 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 conservative has far more than three kids. Taylor Marshall, I believe, has a lot more, maybe five or six kids in his in his family. That says it to you, but they outnumber them and the kids stay conservative. You see what I'm saying? So majority of the liberals don't have kids. I know this. I'm not a liberal, but I'm not married, unfortunately. But I'm saying is because I noticed this at work, some of them don't get married. Some of them have only one child. They're divorced. Uh, I know most of my uh, f- co-workers have only one kid. Some have two, two kids in their marriage, but all others don't have kids. They're, they're not even married or they've been divorced. So you're going to get a whole generation of liberals in a couple of years who are going to be senior citizens, retired, with no kids. And many of them are going to be very depressed and lonely. They're going to suffer from that. You know, because that's the, that was the, the culture. You know, I mean, seriously, you got someone like Ocasio-Cortez who's not even sure she wants to have kids because she thinks the world's going to, just, is going to be destroyed in 12 years. Maybe 11 years by now, if you, can, if you count by her, by her timeline. But you see what I'm saying? It's a difference and it's growing. And these people with, with kids are going to want to migrate. They wanna, they're going to homeschool their kids. That's why you got that, that um, Cambridge professor or whatever she was. She was complaining about homeschooling, saying that they should pass a law to stop homeschooling because she was more concerned about the Christians because they see the numbers. They're not telling you it, but they see the numbers. They see it. All right, let me play this. Um, Bishop Strickland, let's see what it says here. All right, here it is. This is from uh, Bishop Strickland. The Lord be with you. 
I'm Deacon Keith Fournier, and I'm back with Bishop Joseph Strickland of the Catholic Diocese of Tyler, Texas. And Bishop, when we were together the first time, you laid out the challenge we all face to be morally coherent in the way we exercise our citizenship. And you offered a series of teachings to the faithful of your diocese on what that means. And the first area of concern that you brought up, and rightly so, is what you called the moral mandate, the right to life and the dignity of every human life. I recall with great fondness when you were at the USCCB. And on the floor, there was a debate as to whether or not you should keep in the teaching document of the United States bishops the term preeminent moral issue of our age. And you stood up and said, we must. And you and those who stood for preeminent won the day. Thank God. Why is life the preeminent moral concern? Well, it's preeminent because the, the life of a, con a child conceived in the womb prior to being born, they, if they aren't able to be born, then all the other rights become strictly academic. They're not meaningful. Um, so we have to start with that preeminent sanctity of life in the womb. Um, then everything else flows from it coherently. Keep using right. that word. But um, I think that where we are in society, really throughout the world, um, but certainly in this country, is incoherent. Um, and their life is fragmented, and the value of life is fragmented in ways that really diminishes the value of every life. And I would want people to recognize as they're looking at voting for candidates locally, state level, and nationally in the coming election this November, which is a very significant election, to really look at that sanctity of life as the preeminent issue. Because when that is diminished, whether we realize it or not, all life is diminished. And I think we're seeing that very often in our society today, where the shootings and the violence and the mistreatment of children and all of those things are happening more and more, and people are lamenting what's happening to our society, I truly believe it goes back to a devaluing of the life in the womb from conception to natural death is what the church cla classically teaches. And we really need to be coherent with that at every step along the way. Every life is valuable. Absolutely. And in a certain sense, it's more than an issue. It's like a lens through which we view every issue because human rights are goods of the human person. And when there is no human person, there are no other rights. Yeah. And that child in the womb is our first neighbor. <clears throat> and it is always and everywhere wrong to take the innocent life of our first neighbor. Correct? Absolutely. And they're the, the most innocent, the most voiceless, the most powerless. And so even reading our Constitution through that lens says those are the people that need to be protected, the, the ones that have no power. And the child in the womb is the most powerless. And the truth is, science supports this position. Absolutely. We all know the child in the womb is a human person. We take 4D ultrasound pictures now of the child in the womb and we send them around. So you can no longer make the claim that somehow that child is not a human life, it's a human person. And it's always wrong. It's intrinsically evil 
to procure an abortion. So thank you for standing up clearly and without compromise on this. And thank you for inviting the faithful to inform their conscience and inform their vote based upon a candidate's decision to stand up for the child in the womb and for every single human life from conception to natural death. God bless you. Thank you. Isn't that interesting? It informed, exactly, which is what this podcast does. We inform you. But also, I th- did you catch on when he said that everything now, the devaluing of life, you know, the shooting, the killing, the violence that we are, that's we're seeing, goes back to the fact of the devaluing of the life in the womb. And that is exactly what, it, what I'm saying. This is, this is the thing that I believe that Harpinger, which is a warning, a warning. And we are still defying God. We're, st- we're still telling God we're going to do it our own way. We're going to do it our own way. And this is something that's serious. We have become, like John Paul II said, a culture of death. Now, the child in the womb doesn't even have a chance outside the womb in some places, right? They could give birth to that baby and and all of a sudden that baby could be laying there and they're going to decide whether to let this child uh, live to become a legally... Because you're not... You, now they're, they don't want to say you're legally a person even after you're born. So literally now we're going back to what ancient Israel has been doing. When their babies were born, they took their babies to the altar of Moloch and Baal and sacrificed the child. All right? And they were they they became an immoral culture. So I'm telling you, we are just nothing has changed under the sun as it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. What is new has been done before. And it will be done again because human nature doesn't change. We are made to worship. When we turn away from God, we it will invent a God of our own making. It doesn't necessarily have to look like an, uh, an idol of old, but it is the symbolism of it. All right. In America, what is the American gods we have? Porn. That is a pagan idol called porn. Pornography. Sexual immorality. Promiscuity is the the other god. Also, drugs. There's the god of drugs. All right? Marijuana and all the other stuff. All all that. There is also the god of uh, greed, of opulence and all those things. There's also constantly the god of materialism and fashion. All those things, the God of politics. Okay, that's another God. And they all are connected to each other because it all has a lot to do with human nature. I mean, if you want to look at it, those are the American gods. Those are the American gods. And and the truth and also one of them is called death. Did you know that I didn't know this, but in New York City, this is from the book The Harbinger. They took an image of a of a Hindu god, Kali, 
the god of this, the destroyer, the god of the goddess of death. She's the one that you might have seen images of where she has many arms with a sword dancing. And because the top of her head is very similar, her crown, the crown that she wears on her head is very similar to the top of the Twin Tower. They put her head, the image, somehow a couple of years ago in New York. And I didn't even know this because I guess most New Yorkers don't pay attention, but it was supposed to be an environmental thing. And they put her image on the top of the twin of the of the Empire State Building with three eyes. She had a center eye in her forehead. And they did they, they somehow did it with the lights. And they she has a red tongue sticking out, like a mocking tongue. And it was and with the top of her head, the crown, they put golden lights. And they put these golden lights to represent her eyes. It was really, I, you can look it up. Type in Kali and Empire State Building and you'll see. It's, you know, that was one that, that happened during, I believe, the Obama administration. It was during the Obama administration. And to um, this uh, uh, Messianic Jewish pastor, um, Jonathan Kahn, that was unfortunate because that pretty him as uh, it happened during the time when he was president. It was a it was it was pretty much the country was going downhill because we're celebrating death just like ancient Israel did. It just happens a little differently. It just happened in modern terms. You've got to look at the symbolism. The harbinger warnings are for all countries, and our civilization, our American civilization is heading downhill. I I really truly believe that this is something you know we need to look you know we we need to pray about to turn back. That's why this election is very crucial. We're giving an opportunity to turn away. All right, let's uh let's end it here and um I'm going to try to put together a, a little series of notes. It's something I'm going to have to work on eventually. It's not going to happen next episode. So, it's going to take a while. So, um I'm going to try to do the best I can to put together something about why um, I think that book, The Harbinger, I think is something Catholics should look into. I'm not saying you should go ahead and leave the Catholic Church. Don't do that. That's not what I'm saying. But I do believe that there are prophecies that warn our culture, our world today, about um, the events. I'll give you one, one interesting that's very interesting about the what I learned. Uh, when Henry Hudson discovered Manhattan, what do you think the date was? The date was September 11th, 1609. S September 11th, 1609. And the area he landed on was the very area down in the southern part of Manhattan where the World Trade Center was. That was the area he landed. And the area, he, he was sailing for the Dutch. The Dutch, the, the West, uh, the Dutch company that was looking for a passage to the East. But he wound up discovering Manhattan. And the Dutch set up a trade center down on the southern part of Manhattan. The gateway to America is 
uh, that part. That's why uh, Ellis Island was part of, you know, is, is the gateway. That's where all the people of the world came in. And, and the, the gate of the city, every city has a gate, literally and symbolically. To ancient Israel, the gate was Jerusalem. All right? And, you know, just like with ancient Israel, when David took the city of Jerusalem, that was a particular date. I mean, I, I don't know the Jewish calendar for it, but also it was the same date that his son established the temple. Solomon, the temple was complete. But when Israel turned away from God, the same day that the Babylonians destroyed the temple was the same date that Solomon, I believe, completed the temple and opened it up to Israel when they started worshiping. The same date that his father took the city of Jerusalem. And then, guess what? In the year 70 AD, 70 AD, when the temple was destroyed during the early Christian era, Jesus predicted the temple would be destroyed. Jerusalem would be destroyed. That was the same date that the Babylonians, hundreds of years earlier, during the Babylonian uh, captivity, when they broke into the city during the days of Jeremiah, they destroyed the temple. Dates are significant. Dates are significant. And a lot of people have to understand that. America was founded with blessings. And America can also have those blessings taken away from it. All right? It's, it's, it's significant and important. And I think our culture is really at a crossroads. All right, I'm going to end it here. Uh, let's, uh, you know, say a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. So folks, uh, subscribe and share if you like this podcast. And um, I'll try to put together something. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, that series, The Harbinger. Um, you know, it's something I've I've thought about, and I really think it's important. It's uh, it's because there are things going on, forces going on. We have, you know, we're not you know we're not paying attention to. I mean, let's face it. God has His hand in everything, and there are things around us uh, that are happening. Um, we have to be aware of sin and we also have to be aware of our lady. I mean, I don't, I, I know this for a fact that I'm a Catholic and he's not. So there are going to be some things we're not going to agree with, but I think there are things we will agree with. And I think the things that we agree with maybe could help us understand each other a little bit more. You know, I mean, I wish I could interview him. That's one of the things I would like to do with my podcast is bring people on and talk about certain things. You know, God willing, maybe one day it will happen. God bless.